The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Well, good morning, Fathom Church. I'm Gary Shear. A lot of you know me, some of you don't. Let me just give a, a little bit of a introduction. We've been at Fathom Church, I think, about two years. We came to Fathom Church after coming back to the States uh, from serving in Rwanda with World Venture uh, as missionaries since a long time ago, 1979, doing leadership training, discipleship. Uh, I have one wife and three kids, grown, eight grandkids, and another to be born really soon here in May. I was born and raised here in Littleton. I came to Christ when I was in college at the University of Denver, and that's one of the reasons we came back here to Littleton. We live here. We wanted a church that was no more than 10 minutes away, so here we are, and we love Fathom, and we're glad to have the chance to serve you here. Um, so, 1 Corinthians. You heard the text this morning. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 through 13. Does this seem like kind of the same thing that we've heard since chapter 1? It did to me when I was looking at this, studying it. It seems kind of like we could have gone really easily from chapter 1, maybe verse 10, right into chapter 4, verse 1, without any kind of problem. And remember, Paul wasn't whipping this out on a computer or even a typewriter. He was crafting his words in his mind. He had a secretary that he spoke the words to. The secretary would dip the pen in some kind of ink and write it on skin or papyrus. Yeah, tedious stuff. So why did he spend four chapters going over and over and over this stuff? Well, it's like a weed problem, uh, a serious weed problem. Paul saw weeds growing all over the field, which is the church, serious weeds that were nasty things, choking out the life of the crops, choking out the spiritual life and growth of the people in the church. It was widespread. It was weeds all over the field, wherever he looked. It wasn't like maybe one nasty kind of person over here or another kind of hard-to-get-along-with person over here. This was like the whole church. It was like the DNA of the church was this nasty, weedy type of personality in the church. And it was deep. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever uh, struggled with bindweed. Bindweed, there's no way that you can pull that stuff up no matter how careful you are and get all of that 18-inch root that's under the ground. This was a deep problem, deep in the hearts and minds of the Corinthians. So yeah, that's why. He's hitting this thing over and over again from different angles, trying this approach, trying that uh, attack, trying to get these weeds out of the field. But each time he comes around in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, each time he approaches this subject from a different angle, there's something new. There's a new focus in each of these paragraphs that we've studied. And in this particular case, we see it in verse 6. 
He says, I have applied all these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn. Let's just stop right there, that you may learn. So first, what he's saying is, there's an issue that's bigger and deeper than just a popularity contest between Paul and Apollos. It's not just that Paul was miffed or put out or bugged because, hey, the people in Corinth, I think they like Apollos better than me. I mean, I would hope, <laughs> I would hope that there aren't four chapters in the Bible written just because Paul was miffed because they didn't like him as much as he wanted them to. Um, no, he's saying the issue is bigger and deeper than that. Now, we've had, had hints of this. I mean, more than hints. Uh, we've seen this in other, other, other chapters as we've gone along. I, I just want to bring these out to bring the context here. In chapter 2, verse 5, he says, um, the people were focusing on the ability of people instead of focusing on the ability of God. In chapter 3, verse 3, he's saying the prime mover in their lives is not the Holy Spirit, but their flesh, their human nature. In chapter 3, verse 13, he's saying the beautiful, holy foundation of Christ, on that beautiful foundation, they're raising a building of dung. In chapter 3, verse 18, in the process of all this, he says, you're deceiving yourselves. It's not just they were a little mistaken or, um, yeah, it was that they're actually being self-deceived. And then chapter 3, verse 17, it's actually destroying the church. So, yeah, it's a serious problem. And so Paul says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, because you're in this situation, I want you to learn something. And what does he want them to learn? He says, I want you to learn not to go beyond what is written. He's saying, I want you to learn something that's broader and bigger than this issue of popularity. I want you to learn to not go beyond what is written. What is written, obviously, is the word of God. So Paul is, is, is giving us a picture. He's saying that the word of God is like a fence. It's like a boundary beyond which we should not go. As Paul looks at the weeds in the Corinthian church, he's, he's saying there's a root causing them to be proud. There's a root under there that's causing them to judge. There's a root under there that's causing them to show favoritism. It's coming from the underlying cause that they're going beyond what is written. They're going beyond the word of God. So this is the new emphasis. This is what the new way of attacking this, trying to get at the root of what's going on in the Corinthian church. They're going beyond the word of God. They're not staying within the bounds of the word of God. So then he goes on in, in, in verse 6, um, the second part, and Paul attacks a particularly nasty-looking weed here. He says, I want you to learn not to go beyond what is written. He says, then you will not be puffed up one against another. Man, I love that picture. And I like that the ESV, not all the translations keep that idea, but ESV keeps the metaphor of being puffed up one against another. Another. It's a great picture. 
And we've all been in meetings, in situations, oftentimes in the church, unfortunately. Uh, I've seen it on the mission field in our mission meetings uh, where just picture a room full of people and everybody's puffing out, puffing out against each other, puffing out, puffing out. And the idea everyone has is to puff out so big that everybody else is forced out to the edges, the corners of the room, and if possible, even out the door. So that their way, their ideas, their feelings are what prevail in that setting. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not just talking about the big blustery personality that kind of takes over the room. Hey, I've been in meetings where it's been a, a, a quiet woman and her tears, and suddenly everybody's backing up. Oh, oh, well, we can't, we, we have to be careful because so-and-so is crying, and you're backing up, and she fills the room. Or it might be that quiet scowler. He doesn't say a word in the meeting, but man, he's scowling. And you say, uh-oh, George is scowling. Everybody kind of backs up and goes back into their corners. Puffing up. This, this ugly weed has a root. Paul says, when you act this way, it's because you've stepped out of bounds. You've gone beyond the fence. You're not getting your ways to act to think and respond and feel from the word of God. You see, those who are abiding in the word of God, don't do that. Look at Philippians. We can give one example. I mean, we could give many. But Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can you imagine someone who is living by this word, staying within the bounds of this word, puffing him or herself up to fill the room? Absolutely not. It would be impossible. So here's the principle. Do not go beyond what is written. The word needs to be the context in which the Christian lives his or her life. When it's not, it will get you in trouble. It will make you ugly. It will stifle the work of the Spirit in your life. It will dishonor Christ, the lover of your souls. It will destroy relationships and make trouble for those around you. This is what we've seen in Corinthians from chapter 1 to chapter 4. And Paul says, this is the root going beyond the word of God. Now, this is true. Paul is talking about the church, but this is absolutely true in all our relationships, our relationships in our home, in our work, with our friends. When we're not getting our ways of acting, thinking, responding, feeling from the word of God, it will get us in trouble and make us ugly at home. It'll stifle the work of the Spirit and dishonor Christ at work. It'll destroy relationships and make trouble among your friends. So now here's why this is true. 
Here's why this is true. Look at verse, in this verse, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Let me take a word here, the flesh. The flesh is, um, yeah, what does that mean? The Good News Bible translates it as the human nature. The NIV translates this as the sinful nature. It's the natural human way of acting, thinking, responding, reasoning. In other words, if there's nothing to control you, this is, this is the way you'll be. If you don't set boundaries, this is the way you'll be. So let's listen to what he says. If you don't set boundaries, if you're just living according to what comes naturally, um, there's going to be things like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I don't know about the sorcery thing, you know, for you guys. Uh, it's not a big deal for me. But look at these guys here. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy. Drunkenness, orgies, again, orgies, I'm not into those things. Um, if we don't set boundaries, boundaries given to us by the word of God, what comes naturally, what comes out of our lives will be envy, jealousy, anger, ambition, rivalry, competition, strife. Strife. Strife, making a big deal out of everything because you have to be right. And these are the things that make you and your relationships ugly. They make them ugly. They stifle the work of the Spirit in your life. They dishonor Christ. They destroy relationships and they make trouble for those around you. So do you see why this is such a big deal? Why Paul might have wanted to spend three, four chapters on this stuff? What's the future of a church made up of people who do not live by the word of God, who refuse to be hemmed in and controlled by that boundary of the word of God, who just let their natural impulses and emotions rule them, who regularly think, respond, feel, and act beyond the boundaries of the word of God? What's the future of a church like that? Well, it's going to look a lot like the church in Corinthians. So Paul's looking at this. He said, I got to get these weeds out of the field. I got to get them out of there. Now, let's, let's change it around. Let's, let's look at the positive side. Uh, think of a church made up of people who do live within the bounds of the word of God, who do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Think of that church. A church who, where people in humility count others more significant than themselves. A church that looks not only to their own interests, but also the interests of others. Wow, that's beautiful. And so let's, let's, let's change our principles to the positive side. The word needs to be the context in which the Christian lives his or her life. To the degree that it is, to the degree that the Word of God is the context within which we are living, it will make us beautiful. It will encourage and enhance the work of the Spirit in our life. It will honor Christ, the lover of our, lover of our souls. It will build relationships and make for blessing those around us. Uh, my people, God, God loves you. He loves us. He is for you, 
not against you. He has given his word not to hem us in to a life that is narrow and ugly. He has given us his word rather to bring our lives within the boundaries of that which is beautiful and holy. Let me say that again. God has given us his word to bring our lives within the boundary of that which is beautiful and holy. So up to this point, we have the two. We've got people that live within the boundaries of the word of God, and the result is Philippians 2. We've got the other side, people who refuse to live within the bounds of the word of God, and we have the Corinthian church. So now we come to verses 7 and 8, which say, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. In these difficult verses, um, basically what Paul is doing, he's narrowing his focus even more. He's saying, yes, they're going beyond the word of God. Yes, this is causing ugly puffing up. But Paul says there's a very specific area of life where going beyond the word is especially harmful. An area of life that is the deepest part of that deep root of the Corinthian problem. And he brings it out in the first question in verse 7. For who sees anything different is what it says in the ESV. The commentators say that's a difficult question to translate properly. And most of them agree that the modern question that hits the nail on the head is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And then in verses 8 through 13, we don't have time to read through all that. Let me summarize it with this question. And who do you want to be? Who do you think you are, and who do you want to be? If we don't get our answers to these two questions from the Word of God, if we're getting the answers to these questions from way out there somewhere, it's going to make trouble for ourselves. It's going to stifle the work of the Spirit in our lives. It's going to dishonor Christ. It's going to destroy relationships and it's going to make trouble for those around us. And it's, it's not that they had what we might call a bad self-image. No, quite, quite the opposite. You read these verses. Did the Corinthians feel good about themselves or bad about themselves? Well, it's obvious. They felt really good about themselves. I mean, look at verse 8. You see, we have this idea that our problems stem from a, a poor self-image that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Well, Whatever truth there is in that, in that statement, the Corinthians felt great about themselves. And you can feel great about yourself and be ugly. So here's the deal. How you answer these questions, who do you think you are and who do you want to be, determines how you feel about yourself 
what you strive for or who you strive to be, and how you evaluate others, whether you feel good or bad about them. And you see, that's the root. You, 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 you look back at all that he's talked about in the book of Corinthians so far, judging, the puffing up, the strife, the pride, the arrogance. They had this image of themselves that they didn't get from the word of God. They got it from way out there in their Greek culture. And so they were judging Paul. They were saying, Paul, you don't meet up to that. In fact, Paul, you don't even meet up to us. And not only were they doing that to Paul, they were doing that to each other. So we sang the song, I am who you say I am. Really? Is that really true? Is our image of ourself what the word says about us? Where are we getting our answers to these questions? Who do I think I am? And who do I want to be? The Corinthians were getting their answers from way out there, way out there beyond the fence in the Greek culture. And from what we've seen so far, did it make them pretty or did it make them ugly? So the word needs to be the context in which the Christian lives his or her life. To the degree that it is, it will make you beautiful. It will encourage and enhance the work of the Spirit in your life. It will honor Christ, the lover of your souls. It will build relationships and will make for blessing those around you. So to what degree are you or will you live in the context of the Word of God? That's a question we, we, we've got to ask. The Word of God is God's prescription for the absolute best life possible for me and for you. God has given us His Word not to hem us into a life that is narrow and ugly, but to bring our lives within the bounds of that which is beautiful and holy. God has given us his word so our lives may be a blessing to others rather than a curse. To the degree that, to the degree that, that's an important word. Um, it's not an either or. It's not either I'm living it within the bounds of the word of God or not. Um, most Christians, most Christians are living some of both, but to the degree that we're stepping outside of the bounds and dipping into that stuff beyond and filling our lives with that stuff out there, um, to that degree, it's going to cause us trouble. I've, I, I, I mentioned last week in our panel uh, the idea that I, I like what I call daily words. One of my daily words that I remind myself of every day, every morning, before I do anything else, in my time with God, is Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. Love Yahweh your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him, for Yahweh is your life. Yahweh is your life. So I don't want to be way out there somewhere living on the edge, as far away from Yahweh and what he says what he is as possible without getting in too much trouble. No, I want to lean into him. I, I want to hold fast 
Some of the translations say, I want to cling to him. I want to listen to his voice because Yahweh is my life. We sang the song, every word you say brings life to me. So I don't want to miss one word you speak. I don't want to miss one word you speak because everything you say brings life to me. Oh, people, you know, if we only loved God as much as we loved this. If we only love the word of God and got into the word of God as much as we get into this. Fill the meanings of your life from the word of God, especially that word, me. When I picture me, does that picture come from the word of God? Have I filled that concept, me, with all the richness of the word of God, all that God says about me? That doesn't mean we don't think about things out there. And, and you know, I, I love to read books. I'm reading a book now about the, the, um, um, the, the five-factor theory of, of personality, and there's lots of insights and things that I, I gained from that. But my life is filled my concept of myself and life is filled from the Word of God. The Word needs to be the context in which the Christian lives his or her life. To the degree that it is, it will encourage and enhance the work of the Spirit in your life. To the degree that it is, it will bring honor to Christ, the love of your souls, it will build relationships, and will make for blessing those around you. I just want to um, bring an application that I, I debated about bringing it in, but it's so apropos to this time. This is totally applicable to, to the situation in which we're in with the, with the COVID-19 crisis that we're in. Um, we need to live our lives within the boundary of the Word of God. Within that boundary, there's all kinds of room to move about. There's all kinds of room to think and to feel and to respond and to act. It, it's, it's not a tight fence, but it's, it's out there. That means that in this whole situation, there's lots of things you can listen to and find out about, and you should. You should be informed. You should be thinking. You should be responding. You should be feeling appropriately. But there are ways to think, feel, respond, and act in this time that are beyond the barriers, the boundaries of the Word of God. I can just give one example. A, a verse that I've thought about a lot during these days is Isaiah 7, verse 2. It says, And Ahaz and his people, the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. Ahaz was the king of Judah. Judah was this little bitty thing. And what was going on was a huge kingdom called Syria was on the way to attack them. Now you can picture that like if the United States attacked the Bahamas, okay? You know, so you're in the Bahamas and the United States is going to attack. So it says, the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken 
as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. Wow, does that picture something of these days for a lot of people? The hearts were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. That's the kind of time it was. That's the kind of time it is today. Then a few verses down, the word of God comes. The word of God comes through the prophet. And the prophet says four things. He says, be careful. Keep calm. Do not be afraid. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. There's the boundary of the word of God. There's all kinds of ways to think and respond about this, but the word of God comes. Be careful. Be calm. Don't be afraid. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. What's that saying, that last verse? If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you go beyond these boundaries, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And you're going to be troubled to other people. And it's not going to be pretty. And it's not going to be a glory to Christ. Stay within the bounds of the Word of God. So this is a principle that applies. It applies in the church. applies to our relationships. It applies to every aspect of our lives. The Word needs to be the context in which the Christian lives his or her life. To the degree that it is, it'll make you beautiful, will encourage and enhance the work of the Spirit in your life. It will bring honor to Christ, a lover of your soul. It will, bring, it, was, it will build relationships, and it will make for blessing those around you.